Last, uh, last Sunday, I, I used this chart in a conversation we're having about real life, a redeemed and empowered and active and a listening life. It's the new kind of vision statement of Willow Park Church, and so we are tracking with them. Um, last Sunday, I kind of made the point that power within the kingdom of God is not necessarily what you would think of in terms of power within the world around us. That the Spirit of God, who indwells us as children of God, leads us to places that may not sound powerful, but they are. The Spirit of God is that voice that leads us to be more generous people, to have a servant heart, that understand that our Dependence truly is on God alone who gives us the very life we have. That sacrifice is part of what God calls us to. Sacrifice of time, sacrifice of resources. God also by his spirit calls us to quiet confidence in him. So when we think, I believe, of power within our lives as children of God, the Holy Spirit moves us to those things on the right. And that in those things, we will truly find power. There are a few items on there that I thought, I said last week I would talk a little bit about, and those are confession and forgiveness. I know after church last Sunday, Marlene McPherson summed up my 25 minutes of rambling in eight words. An empowered life is a life of obedience. And there is great truth in her summary. Am I willing to deny myself? Am I willing to serve? Am I willing to love and care for other people, even if my attempts at times may feel a little bit awkward? That's what Jesus calls us to. And to live a life of obedience leads us to those things on the right-hand side. The message of the Word of God is one of redemption, is one of rescue, of one of reconciliation, of bringing his creation back to him. It's a story that rings throughout the Old and the New Testament. But so too does the message of confession, and forgiveness. In fact, redemption kind of goes hand in hand with confession and forgiveness. To talk about what it means to live a life empowered by the Spirit of God would be incomplete without acknowledging the need to confess and without acknowledging the command of God to forgive. So I want to ask a question. Do I truly believe that I am forgiven by a just, holy, righteous, and loving Heavenly Father? I think at times when you just ponder the magnitude of that statement, that God in Christ Jesus has forgiven me. 
that my sins truly are covered, the ones I may have committed years or decades ago, the ones I committed yesterday, and the ones that I will likely commit today. God does not look at us through the lens of our own righteousness, but the truth is that we often do. That we think about the forgiveness of God from our own perspective, and at times, I believe, live in doubt that God has truly forgiven me. And so we can live at times as Christians without this sense of truly being forgiven. We need to wake up every morning and hug the cross of Jesus Christ. We need to cling to it. We need to be overwhelmed at its truth that Christ who knew no sin became sin for us in order to set us free. That when God looks at us, he looks at you and me as his forgiven children. As his forgiven kids. We are encouraged to call God Abba Father. Which interpreted as closer to saying Daddy. Second Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. We need to take great joy. We need to take great comfort. We need to take great assurance in the completeness of that forgiveness. Forgiveness is not something that God gives and then takes away depending on how we live. And I want to repeat that. The forgiveness of God is not dependent on how we live. It is not something he gives and removes according to how we live. It is always there. Always there. And the challenge for the Christian is to learn to walk in that truth. Not walk in it in terms of, yeah, I think 20 or 30 years ago, I think I asked for that, I think I confessed. The challenge is to walk in that daily. The truth is that forgiveness is at the essence of our faith. That Jesus gave his life for that truth that we are a forgiven people. And so I just challenge you to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ daily. In it you find the forgiveness of Almighty God. Number two, when I ask the question, does God's forgiveness then make our sin irrelevant or of no consequence? That if it's always there, that it covers all my sins, past, 
present and future? Does it make sin somehow sort of irrelevant? I think Paul answers that question uh, very strongly in some of his letters. He says, absolutely not. He said that would absolutely be uh, almost a ridiculous point of view to have, that you would go back to living a way that Christ has called you out of. Sin does not render God's forgiveness any less complete Our sin does not render God's forgiveness any less active or real. But sin tends to stick to us. Sin in our life can pile up. We can even find ourselves occasionally walking in it. And the Bible, I believe, will say that sin will render us ineffective and powerless. It does not render God's forgiveness ineffective or powerless. But if we do not live lives of confession, sin can truly take the power out of our lives as children of God. And so there's a daily response to sin that we are called to live in. And that is living a life of confession. Proverbs 28.13 says this. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. Not talking about wealth here. Whoever conceals their sins is not going to feel good. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Psalm 32, verse 3, and and some of the songs uh, we sang this morning and the passage that was read. uh, David, I think, is such a good example of a man who understood his need to confess. His sins before his righteous and holy and loving father. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. In a paraphrase, you might say that David says, when I did not confess my sin, when I hid it, when I um, did whatever I could to hold on to it, I ended up feeling weak and miserable. And my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thinking this week and last week a little bit about confession, I I think confession really is cleansing. There's an aspect of confessing our sins before God that is cleansing. 
There is something very good, I think usually, unless you're forced to have a cold one, about having a bath or a shower. That you can step out of the bath or step out of the shower and say, oh man, that feels good. I kind of feel like fresh and clean all over. To me, I believe confession, spiritual confession, is like a spiritual bath or a spiritual shower. And I think the Bible would say we need to wake up every morning and have one. Create in me, O God, a clean heart. Confession is meant to restore in us not some knowledge of God's forgiveness, but confession, I believe, unlocks the door to us actually to experience the forgiveness of God. And at times, I think that should just give us goosebumps that God in Christ has forgiven me. It's a beautiful message, and it's the power of the cross. To experience any sense of spiritual power, I think we need to live lives of confession, lives of repentance before God. That every morning I cling to the cross because in the cross I have an invitation by God to live that day in freedom. That those things I may struggle with, Jesus knows about and has forgiven. He knows that often my spirit may be willing That part of me says, yeah, I truly want to live that way, but sometimes our flesh, and perhaps often our flesh is weak. Jesus died exactly for that reason. And the invitation is for us every day to confess, embrace the cross, which is not here. That's okay. But there's something missing. To embrace the cross and walk in that forgiveness. David often confessed his sins before God. And they're written there for us to read. In no way, shape, or form was David a perfect man, if you look at his story. But he understood the forgiveness of God. The Old Testament prophets begged the people of Israel begged the nation of Israel, begged the rulers of Israel to confess their sins and turn back to God. That if they did, God would restore them. That in confession, there is this sense of being restored. That God is a gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger, abounding in love. The New Testament speaks about confessing our sins one to another. Paul tells the Corinthian church that before you come to the communion table, you should examine yourself. I think he's asking us to examine in ourselves, are there things that we are hanging on to that we haven't confessed to God? 
When Jesus talked to those who would bring their sacrifice to the temple and yet knew that they had something against a brother or a sister that they had not dealt with, he would say to them, you need to get up out of your seat. You maybe even need to leave the church. Find that person that you need to talk to before you come and give your sacrifice, your offering, your worship before God. I think Jesus would say, quite literally, drop what you're doing. Make things right with that person that you know you need to extend forgiveness to. And if you say how, I would say we do it in the same way that Christ has dealt with us. It's a gift of forgiveness. You know, I believe most people in Creekside Church are living this. I believe most of us sitting here this morning understand the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. But there are always those who may be sitting here but actually bound up in sin. Bound up in things that hold them back, not only from experiencing the forgiveness of God, but even experiencing what it means to be made new and reborn. And there are times in the New Testament where we are encouraged to pray with one another. And I would encourage you, if you feel in any way kind of bound up with sin, whatever that might be, that you may want to consider talking to a trusted friend, talking to someone you know, and asking them, would you pray with me? There's something in my life that I am struggling with. I feel bound by it. Would you pray with me for forgiveness? And we'll find God to be a forgiving and a loving God. The goal of confession is not to beat ourselves up. It's not to live a life of sort of being down on yourself Confession is actually supposed to be liberating. Confession is meant to set us free. There's a flip side to confession. The sense to confess before God, the sense maybe to confess before someone else. And the flip side of that, I, I would say, is that we are a people not only who have been forgiven, we are a people who are to be those who forgive others. And in the New Testament, in the teaching of Jesus, forgiving others is not an option. It's not like a good idea. It really is a command that Jesus gave. To forgive those who have wronged us that if we are holding on to resentments and bitterness towards other people, if sometimes we are holding on to bitterness or resentments about church, you'll never experience what it means to live free. 
You may simply try to fool yourself into thinking that somehow God who has forgiven you everything is fine with you holding on to resentments. And you would be wrong. If I am not willing to forgive those who have done me wrong, I am actually trampling on the cross of Christ. Lack of confession or an unwillingness to forgive will quite literally rob us of any sense of spiritual life and vitality or spiritual freedom or spiritual power. I will simply put on a good front and perhaps inside live a conflicted and a miserable life. Exactly what David referred to. John Piper said this about forgiveness. And John Piper, pastor of a very large church, um, and I think he's been at the same church for decades, he said this, Struggling to forgive is not what destroys us. As long as we are in the flesh, we will do our good deeds imperfectly, including forgiving and loving others. Jesus died to cover those imperfections. What destroys us is the settled position that we are not going to forgive, and we have no intention to forgive. And we intend to cherish the grudge and fondle the wrong that someone did to me and feel the bitterness because it feels good. I like going to bed with my wrath at night because he legitimately wronged me. I'm going to hold this against him for the rest of his life. If we think we can be indwelt by the Spirit of Christ and not make war on that attitude, we are deluded. In the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of being reborn says that you do not need to live there. But forgiveness takes humility. Humility actually takes strength. And the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives is that voice that leads us not only to the cleansing waters of confession, but to the freedom of forgiveness. We all, I think, have a tendency to resist some very simple but powerful words. I was wrong, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I think there is a good book yet to be written on how significantly young children mirror what God would want from us as adults. And Jesus often used young children as an example of what the kingdom of God is like. When the disciples were arguing about, uh, you know, their position, who would have the most power in the kingdom of God, they were thinking of a kingdom that was completely like kingdoms on earth. Jesus put a little child 
in the middle of them. And he says, so anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is actually greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf, he doesn't say is doing a pretty nice thing. He says is welcoming me. I think we need to think about verses like that a little bit when we think about children's ministry. That those in the back room right now who are welcoming little children and speaking the love of God into their life are truly involved in kingdom work. As parents, we are often diligent or maybe even quite demanding to request forgiveness of our children. If they wrong brother, wrong sister, you will often hear, so Johnny, say I'm sorry. We may even say, Johnny, give your sister a hug. And generally, children comply. I've seen this played over and over in our home. And as parents or as grandparents, we observe that little I don't want to call it a ritual. We observe that humble, I'm sorry, and maybe a hug. And we know that that was good. I mean, occasionally I understand that not all children do that willingly. But I thought about that, that, that scene, that picture this week, and the truth is that as we grow older... We struggle deeply with the same practice that we ask of our children. And it's not like God says, well, you're adults, you don't need to do that. God says, you're adults, you need to do that. That God is asking us as his children to be willing to say sorry to one another, to ask for forgiveness. I believe it is in our homes and probably especially in our marriages that we need to heed the Spirit of God when he is coaxing us to say those kind of words. Sorry. Will you forgive me? I will confess that I need to work on that. We fight it. As I thought about that this week a little bit, I thought about all the retreats and seminars and special events that are held, whether they're for marriage, whether they're for families. A lot of them are asking people to get to that place. And you can do that without a retreat. You can do it without a seminar. But God, by his spirit, asks us to do that. Confession and forgiveness are two doors that unlock life-giving freedom. They are powerful, I'm going to call them disciplines, of a Christ follower. Our experience of freedom, even our experience of God's forgiveness, is determined by our own willingness to forgive. 
Forgive us our shortcomings as we forgive those who have wronged us. It's the power of confession. It's the power of forgiveness. It's a power that comes from the willingness to humble ourselves before God and at times before one another. This is the power of being obedient to what God asks of us as his redeemed, restored, and renewed people. He would say redeemed, restored, and renewed people are people of confession and forgiveness. I'm going to end there, but there's a a slide that uh, I came across that I think is really appropriate by Max Licato. Forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realizing that you were the prisoner. I think there's great truth in that statement. I think that statement is incredibly biblical, even though it's not a verse. So my encouragement for us this morning is to embrace confession and to be willing to forgive. Being willing to do that will truly allow us to walk in freedom in the power of the Spirit of God. I'm going to pray. um, But before I do, I'm going to ask us, even as a church this morning, to quietly pray for Kevin and Maggie, uh, that where you are sitting, that you would take a few moments to pray. Uh, Pray for the grace and mercy of God in their home and family. Uh, Pray for healing of God for Maggie, that the treatment she's going through would be successful, that physically she would be restored. So I'm just going to ask us to quietly take um, a minute or so. And if there are those of you who want to utter out loud a short prayer on their behalf, I just welcome you to do that within the church this morning. And then I'll close in prayer. Let's pray. Father, as your church this morning, we lift up Maggie before you and we pray for her. We pray, God, that you would do a work of healing in her body, a work of restoration. 
Father, I pray that you would hear the prayers of your children, of your people, this morning on her behalf. God, we know you are a good and gracious God, that you know us by name, that you are a good, good Father. But we pray this morning on behalf of Kevin and Maggie and their family. We lift them before your throne of grace and ask for healing. Father, too, help us as a church, as individuals, to walk in the freedom of confession. Father, by your spirit, would, be we, would we be willing to humble ourselves and ask forgiveness? Father, your desire is for us to live free, to live empowered by the Spirit of God in our life. Father, that's our desire. Help us, I pray. Even this week and this day, help us cling to the cross of Jesus Christ, for in it there is forgiveness, there is freedom, there is life. And for that we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.